Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I have an announcement, you guys. I have to share something with you because I feel like we're best friends. I have a boyfriend. That's right. I have a boyfriend. And no, it's not just Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai. He's my boyfriend too. I have an agreement with my actual boyfriend that I'm allowed to have Johnny Lawrence as my side boyfriend. Anyway, now I'm in a real relationship with someone who knows that I exist, unlike Johnny Lawrence. I know. I can't believe it either. It just happened. But I wanted to share with you something about my relationship that I think you'd all want to know. I think it's a good window into my psyche. And I think you'd like to hear this story. I had a lot of anxiety because I was convinced my boyfriend had little limbs. And I called my shrink one day and I said, by the way, he doesn't have little limbs. He's six feet tall or so he says, and his limbs are normal length. And if they weren't, that's okay too. But I was, I had body dysmorphia for him. I would go to dinner with him and I would look at his limbs and I'd be like, does he have little limbs? There was no reason for me to think he had little limbs. They seemed totally normal size, but I couldn't shake the thought. So I called my shrink and I was like, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but I have little limophobia. I am convinced that my boyfriend has little limbs. And when we're having a nice dinner and he takes me to a nice restaurant, I stare at his limbs and I think they're little. I said to her, is little limophobia a real thing? If you look it up in the DSM, is little limophobia a thing? She said no and said it was just based in fear. So we spent an entire session on it. Anyway, my boyfriend and I were sitting on a couch the other night and I said to him, you know what? I have to, I have to talk to you about something. I've diagnosed you with little limbs and I have little limophobia and it's really standing in the way of our relationship getting to the next level because I can't, I'm so hung up on the thought. And his reaction was so amazing that I actually, in that moment, was like, I think I love you. I think, I think I just fell in love with you. I told him that I had a fear of his little limbs and he just acted like I asked him to get me a glass of water. <laughs> That's when I knew we were going places. And just so you guys know, I still do continue to do limb checks. I made him arm wrestle me the other night to make sure his arms were stronger than mine. And for what it's worth, I didn't stand a chance. I also secretly hold up my feet to his feet when we're like laying on the sofa to make sure his feet is, are bigger. And when he's not looking, I put my arms next to his arms to like just make sure his are bigger. He always catches me in the act, but I think he kind of likes it because I think he likes that I'm kind of crazy. I don't know. Maybe he just likes getting measured and his limbs are not little. He is perfect. It would be wrong of me to not make that public announcement. This is my craziness in my head, my neuroses, and he is just here for the ride. As are you guys, because you're listening. I'm kind of obsessed with humans, human behavior, and the things we do all day, every day that we're not even paying attention to. In fact, I find it kind of hilarious. So much so, I even made a show about it, and it's called Social Studies. I'm your host, Jenna Kingsley. Let's get started with today's episode.
guys, I am so excited for my guest today. It is not only everyone's therapist, because she's kind of an IG famous therapist, Tori Aletto at NY Therapist, but she's also my therapist. That's right. I bought my therapist on today. Tori, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on, Tori, is first of all, you're an unbelievable therapist. I have made some major changes to my life because of Tori. But I also think it's important that we do away with this stigma surrounding therapy. First of all, I think everyone should be in therapy at some point in their life. I've said this to you before. But growing up in the city, we started going to therapy like kids in the suburbs went to Little League. So it was so like at eight years old, they're like, it's time. And so we didn't go to Little League, but we went to therapy. I have no shame in my therapy game at all. Like my parents got divorced when I was eight, therapy. They didn't like my boyfriend in high school, therapy. Tori, how did you become this Instagram therapy sensation? How did you become IG famous for being a therapist? Oh, it's a great question. <laughs> I started my account a long, long time ago. It was actually linked to a studio I owned at the time. So it was really not related to me. Closed it maybe in 2015. So this is going back. And then decided to start writing just from like my therapist perspective. But honestly, I've been on Instagram for a long time. I didn't quote like you know, become more well-known or get more followers or we want to call it until I think it was like 2019. And really what changed is me, like, this is such a cliche, like therapy line. So bear with me, Jenna, but it's like really started doing some videos. I started like sharing my own perspectives. And like, I think that's what made it all of a sudden kind of leap into what it is now. So it's been an interesting ride for me too, on my end of it. So when you say show up, you mean like share stuff you were going through or like, what do you mean by show up on your Instagram? It's really like I had to do some work to fully like be on Instagram. It sounds so strange. No, I get it. You know what I mean? It's a very strange thing because it's just, there's so much there that can easily leap you into like comparison and numbers and it's just so much, there's a lot of stress on social media. But for me, I, I just started to like really share like my, you know, the thing that I share on Instagram daily, I, by the way, I have no process. I wake up in the morning, those things are on my mind and I write. I have screaming children and my brain is just do, 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 and I go and I share. And that's really what I mean by showing up. It's like, I really started to show up with like what was going on in my own brain from like the things that I know. And then just kind of like really putting myself out there, my own view of it. I think it's easy to spot when someone is being truly authentic on social media and you definitely are. In fact, because Tori is my shrink, sometimes she'll post things. I'm like, this is about me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. we just talked about this. By the way, gladly <laughs> put it out there, tag me in it. I have no shame. Like I said, in the height of lockdown, I was, I didn't have an easy one. No one did. I mean, no one was like, ah, lockdown pandemic. I was really struggling and I knew that it was time for me to go to therapy. And like, I was like, there's no better time than to work on this shit than when I'm sitting here with myself. And so I was looking for a therapist and two people suggested you. And I had been following you for years. And I was like, she's like an actual therapist that will see patients. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, 
oh, no, 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 no. That's my therapist. So Tori was out on maternity leave. Yep. And I was a legit level five stalker because I think your maternity leave was ending in June. That was your, what your outgoing message said. Now it was like August. And I was like, Hey, like I know your maternity leave is over. I was leaving messages. I was writing emails. And then at one point I remember saying to you, like, I know I'm like Bob and what about Bob? I know that I am that I know I'm Bill Murray in that movie, but I am going to no other therapist then you so we're going to have to figure it out. And you made a spot for me. You I did. did. <laughs> Literally. That. I was like, we got to do this. And thank God you did. Before we joined, I was telling everyone about little limophobia, how I have diagnosed myself with little limophobia. So now they're all caught up on what it is. Yes. But they probably don't believe me that I spent a whole session on little limophobia, which is a, a disorder that I made up because mm-hmm. you had never heard it before. Tori, is it true that I spent an entire session on little limophobia? Yes. Yes. A good amount of session. <laughs> it's important to know that we've since gotten to the bottom of little limophobia and I am cured of it. Okay. The next order of business, uh, before we get on to more serious things, is I did an episode. It was episode two, my TikTok algorithm thinks I'm a lesbian, if you haven't listened. But we covered an entire thing on shrinks. And that's when I talk about how it was from a, a friend with a friend of mine who grew up in New York City. We were in therapy since we were basically born. Mm-hmm. And we talk about shrinks clothing. I'm just going to play the clip right now for everyone to hear, including you, even though I think I've sent it to you before. So let's listen to this clip. So the look and feel is there's always the Santa Fe heavy jewelry that makes me like, I look at them and I have anxiety. Like, doesn't that hurt your neck? Like, it's like a a plate of turquoise. Right. Just (laughs) hanging hanging down. Hanging. It's like, I don't know if it's like from an airport in Santa Fe. Like, I don't. But it's definitely like a handcrafted. It's handcrafted. A crafts fair, if you will. Crafts fair. It's never like a dainty, stylish piece. It's just like a chunky stone <laughs> hammered nickel type of always thing. involves turquoise always uh, yeah always. oh by the way hammered nickel that's such a good call yeah hammered there's nickel. always a cowl neck sweater 100 percent. or a cowl neck by the way like a cardigan with some sort of like where they like like right and a lot of them have very big boobs if i if they, i do you know say what? So. they all have big boobs why that's why i could never be a therapist they have big boobs <laughs> they have big boobs there's a palazzo pant, we've decided. There's always a, yeah, there is always a palazzo like in pant. A, like an elastic-waisted palazzo pant yeah, with a pattern. Or like a sanctuary brand, sort of like <laughs> feminized cargo pant type of thing, maybe. Yeah. There's, oh, there's a lot of like fall prints, like fall <laughs> leaves on a, on a sheer scarf. 100%. Like a bob haircut, always a bob, like a permed bob? Yeah, the shoe, like I, I did buy some shoes over the summer from eBay for cosplay is like a slide. Because <laughs> I Hold was like on, so we have to address that in yeah, one second, cosplay. but we're going to come back to like cosplay. Like some sort of 90s lug sole slide type of thing. A hundred percent. 
I actually, my therapist, so I started therapy in COVID times and I had never met my therapist in person. Oh, you haven't? So she's, I do it on Zoom and she's always wearing like sweats or like a sweatshirt that says babe. And I talk to her a lot about how she doesn't dress like a therapist. Okay. So Tori, (laughs) would you agree that there is, you don't dress like this. I want to just make it clear to the listeners, Tori sometimes wears a sweatshirt that says babe. Tori is cool, hip. She's almost like, it's almost confusing because I've only had shrinks that wore the Santa Fe jewelry. Yes. Lotso pants and the, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, a hundred percent. I was in tears when I, when I okay. heard that. <laughs> okay. Where does that come from? Like, why do they all dress? It's, I'd say it's one of the careers where everyone has the that same outfit. Because it is a very prevalent thing. It, it, you know what? I, I'm going to tell you because I, first of all, I have a confession. I was absolutely a Palazzo pants therapist at one point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now you're, you're in like the Zoom COVID therapist world where you only, you know, you can only get the top half. Palazzo pants were rocked at a time. So let me, let me, I'll give you my thoughts here. I think the therapist is in a chair all day. So they're looking to be comfortable. So they're like, comfortable, but you can't push it like I do with sweatshirts. You can't do that. I believe in a sweatshirt all the time. Well, so then it's like, well, what's kind of comfortable, but professional looking? And they're like, oh, Palazzo pants is kind of, you know, you can kind of pretend they're fancy. Yeah. And then you're like, I got on a flat, but then they're like weird flats. So like you try that. And then, but then it's like, oh, because you know why I'll tell you that we're always kind of taught in some weird way. You're not supposed to wear heels because it's a little too sexy. And but like, there'll be, you know, there's awareness around how you present. You don't want to be in, you know, anything sexual in heels or can be, can, whatever. So yeah, that's, yeah, a part of inter- it. that's interesting. You get a nice flat going on there. Okay. And then I think you throw on a shirt, but then you're like, oh, this doesn't look professional enough. Let me throw on a little bobble, a little jewel. <laughs> okay. Now this is really what I want to address. The jewelry. I love a good. Okay. I am wearing seven <laughs> rings right now, you guys. I wear a lot of rings. I have about seven rings on at a time. I also have like four necklaces. I wear a lot of like gold chains. I think I'm Mr. T. Therapist jewelry gives me anxiety because it looks heavy. It, it, there's always like a turquoise dish or like a. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like a hammered nickel, as we discussed, there's, there's like ceramic beads. Like it looks like it could double as a neck injury. And I always just wonder, and it's big. It's like, and so I get the Palazzo band for comfort. I get the wanting to spice up the outfit. Why do you think there's such a heavy Santa Fe slash crafts fair vibe going on? in therapist jewelry. I can't relate. If I ever wear something, it's dainty. So I yeah, can't You relate. have great style. You guys, Tori, if you're looking for a stylist therapist, it is Tori Aletto. She has no jewelry that makes me think I need to put her in touch with my physical therapist for like like linemen. Yeah, I can't even, I don't know the answer, but I relate. Like every therapist I've known, seen, worked with, they really do rock the heaviness on the the necklace front in particular, but everywhere, there's a lot of heavy jewelry. We have to explore that. Would you say now Instagram has become very chock full of self-help and coaches 
and certainly therapy, therapy memes, are we seeing less of a stigma surrounding mental health and getting yourself help with a therapist because social media is now making it more, they're normalizing therapy. People are sharing therapeutic memes and all this stuff. I mean, I definitely think it, I think in that way, it certainly has helped. I mean, I I get DMs all the time that I think it just, it it makes you understand what therapy actually is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, oh, I relate to that. So many people relate to that. I want to look at that instead of it being like, oh, I'm crazy. I'm scared to go into that office kind of thing. It's like, oh, this is what it is. You learn about yourself and you make these connections and you, you know, it's like, it's, it's not quite what people think or fear. So I think it helps in that way. It really helps people who are still scared to enter the office, but really want information. Uh But that's where it gets because there's too much information out there or there's a lot it's saturated and then you can really feel lost trying to navigate what's what and who you resonate with and a coach and a therapist and all that it, it can be difficult too in that way right no for sure I mean I told you that my therapist was you and TikTok TikTok therapy <laughs> yeah TikTok therapy well because you know what it is about TikTok you can always find someone who's going through what you're going through and so there's something comforting in hearing the person is in the same boat and maybe has been there and can advise so there's something that I think is useful and I also wonder if it makes people who wouldn't seek therapy say, wow, maybe it's not so bad to seek therapy. And I'm wondering if accounts like yours are pushing people in that direction, which would be great. I think it's, it's yes. I think, I think, you know, sometimes we don't know that certain things are trauma. We see a meme, we're like, oh my goodness, that's me. And then we realize we need to seek help. So I, I think it's more, I think it does kind of prompt people to want to seek individual help because there's only so much you can get from Instagram. Then it does have to become more personalized. Right, so when things course. resonate, okay, but now what? You know, that makes sense, but what do I do? And that's where you want to kind of walk you through your own specific circumstance. Okay. Now we're going to get into some therapy topics that are, um, people are curious about. I did some IG questions and here we go. Um, ghosting culture. This is something that is, I know a lot of people are asking questions about. I want to hear your take on ghosting and is there a rise in ghosting or, or there just wasn't a name for it before? Hmm, that's a good question. Let's let's start with that. And that's probably an easier to answer, and then we'll go to the others. I think there's a rise in in the way that we date with technology, and I think that if we're connecting mainly through technology, texting, social media, all that, it's much easier to ghost people because you can cut people off from those avenues easily. You can block, and all of a sudden someone's gone. Whereas you know when you dated, you met someone outside, you know you still see them. So it's like a different thing. So I think that that has a lot to do with it and the way that we communicate and how we connect to people is much more, it's much more easily to remove people. And also it's easier to connect, right? It's like you, you meet on a, a dating app, you connect quickly and then you can remove someone quickly. So there's something about that that I think is making it a little bit more disposable. More, yeah, yeah, exactly. More disposable, but it, it does, there's so many different parts of this, but I definitely think it relates to it depends, you know, cause there's ghosting when you're in a relationship with someone, you know, there's people who's been, who've been, with someone for five years and have been ghosted. And then there's ghosting where you're casually and you're ghosted. So it's a different, there's different levels of it. But I think when it becomes, when it's someone where like you really have an intimate relationship with and they disappear, I mean, it certainly says something about, first of all, I think you've probably had that experience in the relationship in some way. But for the most part, if someone ghosts you, they probably were ghosting you a long time in the relationship in different ways. 
Do you know, emotionally, like, and then you're seeing sort of that manifested in the way that it's ending. I always say like the way things closed says a lot about what you were dealing with in the relationship too, because closure is hard. Saying goodbye is hard. Keeping your boundaries, being a um, vulnerable about an ending is incredibly hard. And if you don't want to do that, chances are you weren't doing a lot of those different things. I think that's when you actually have a real relationship. When it's more like you're dating and it's quick and it's fast, I just think that's more, you know, it's a lack of care for another and just kind of wanting to avoid, move on, disposable kind of stuff. I think ghosting... If you're just like on a dating app, whatever, but these stories where people ghost their people they're dating is insane to me. Like that's insane and very painful, I'm sure. Like oh, it's traumatic. It's traumatic. Someone just just kind of disappear. An ending of a relationship is hard enough when you add that layer to it. It's like you're dealing with the trauma of that first and then the ending. And there's just so many parts to it. It becomes so much more painful and complicated. Any advice to people who have been ghosted, Tori? Anytime you've been ghosted, you're going to face, your, your worth is going to be on the line because you're going to feel like, you know, why didn't I get that closure? What happened? Why me? You know, we go to the why me, especially when we have no communication. So I think that's the one to pay attention to or to just know that it's normal for that to be happening and that it's really a calling back to yourself to kind of work on that part of you alongside grieving a relationship, managing a trauma. So there's a lot of pieces to it, but I think that you definitely just want to be aware of how it impacts you and your relationship with your own worth. Yeah. And guys, if someone goes to you, I'm not a shrink, but I can tell you it is not you, it's them and their limitations for handling things. So you don't want to be with someone like that anyway. As they say, bullet dodged. Okay, here's a topic that we can all relate to. How do you handle it as a shrink? Because I know even as a friend, it's difficult. If you have a friend that is stuck in the same rut for Mm -hmm. a very long time, months, if not years, and they're complaining about the same issue over and over again. And it's one I just want to add that's in their control. It's not like circumstantial. It's something that they're choosing to not change or actively be involved in. You can only advise so many times. And as a Good friend, we've all been there. We've advised for years. As a shrink, do you ever get annoyed? Are you ever like, again with this? Like, I know you're not going to say yes because some of your clients are listening, but it has to be after so many discussions of why they're doing it and what they want out of it. A, are you like, again with this? And what is the best way to advise a friend who is stuck in that rut? For me, there's a difference between friends and clients because there's a different role there, but they kind of merge. So we can kind of talk about that. But what I've personally done, when when it comes to that kind of situation, I think you really want to pay attention to yourself in that dynamic because maybe the continuation of that vent is crossing your own boundaries. Maybe Maybe you feel like you have to fix them when you don't and you just have to be a witness to their journey which is a very hard thing to do when you want to help people and, and, you know, see your friend out of pain or a client out of pain. You want to push them to a resolution. But I think there's a part of you that has to hold back that boundary of being the fixer or the helper and really respect that people are going to find their own way and you, and, and finding what your role in that is. Right. But anytime I felt like frustrated by someone doing that, which is more of a friend because a client, you know, you had that expectation. You're walking through hard things with people. You're going to repeat stuff. But with a friend... I've really paid attention to my own boundaries. Like sometimes maybe I don't, I don't have the energy to listen or sometimes, you know, and I'll say certain things with people that I love or 
I'll have that, that very, that question, like, do you want advice or do you, do you just want me to hear you out? Those kind of things help you just put your role in perspective. I like that. Do you want advice or do you want me to listen? I've done that before. And I've had friends. I mean, I have friends who are also therapists who will say like, are you in the space to listen or do you not have the energy? Like, so there's a respect with like people's time and and energy really when you think about it, because it's Mm. energy. If you can kind of be a part of that event, especially if it's something that is ongoing, like, you know, a relationship struggle that's not shifting and you just sort of it's that surrender process of letting people be on their own path even if it's really hard to witness right yeah it, which sometimes it is really hard to let to witness but when we're in our own stuff we get it but when we're seeing other ones like make a change already <laughs> let's go oh i mean lord knows i am not above it i've been in plenty of situations where i'm driving my friends crazy so i'm pretty sure we all have another topic tori i think i love this one intuition versus anxiety and how to tell the difference between the two. Yes. I would describe intuition is almost like it's a very calm feeling. I think they feel different. And once you've been through different experiences, you can start to relate to the difference of how it feels in your body. But intuition, I would say, is a calmer feeling. Okay. And anxiety is very intense. It's very, it's physical. It's overwhelm your nervous system. Whereas an intuition is there and it doesn't feel, you know, you feel something, but it's not as intense. So when it comes to physical, you know, the body. Another thing I I think is different is that intuition is very like, it's very present. You have to be close to yourself and you, it's very like in the moment, like, you know, something's off there. Like someone looks at their phone and you feel something weird. There's something going on in that moment. And anxiety is future. Anxiety is fear of what's going on, what's happening. It's a lot of the mind, a lot of dialogue, a lot of like what is future oriented. So that's also another good way to like distinguish the two. Okay. Okay. What else feels confusing about it? Because I think a lot of people struggle with this. I'll tell you what's confusing about it to me. I believe that I'm a little bit of a witch. My friends believe that too. I've always had insane intuition. Like it's really strong. And sometimes I have struggled with knowing the difference between, am I picking up on something that normal people can't pick up on because I'm a witch? Or am I just feeling anxiety right now? That's been a really big struggle for me to tell the difference. Because by the way, I have both. So I believe that intuition can lead to anxiety. So that's where it can get a little complicated. Like we can have an instinct and anxiety takes over. So I think that anytime you're feeling off, I would say that's an intuition thing. If we're compiling it with first stupid phone example, because it's easy. Like you see something happening with your phone, your partner's making it, and something feels weird to you in your body. That could be intuition. But now you're telling yourself stories. They're cheating. They're this, they're that. And then we add anxiety on top of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's losing. So I'd say anytime you feel a little off feeling, trust it. Yeah. Okay. When it pings at you, I think there's something there. It's just that we don't always specifically know what it is. Okay. Before I let you go, I have some questions and so do you. We asked people on our Instagram things they wanted to ask their shrink, but they were too embarrassed to ask. So... Let's get into some of the questions. Um, are you in therapy too? I'm not currently, but uh, yes, my life is therapy, of course. Oh, wait, I love this one. Okay, go. Have you looked me up on Instagram to see what these people look like that I talk about? I have never done that, but I will tell you what I have done. I have, it's on Facebook. You know that feature where it's like people you might know? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that seems to pull up 
people from the air and it's all my clients tend to be listed there, which is very strange. And I'm sure I'm listed to them, which is probably equally weird. So I have clicked on a picture and seen a picture of them on Facebook because of that. But I've never gone to the place where I've like searched for someone. I will say I have wondered that myself in the times when I'll tell you about this or that I'm like, I wonder if she's getting a feel for who. So I think that's hilarious, you know, because we're living in a time where the this information is so accessible that how could you not? I would. I've never even thought to do that. I've never really thought to like go that far. I don't know why. It's, it feels like a boundary crossing, I guess. Yeah, I get it. You see, I raised, as you know, because of all this therapy I've done with you, I don't know what boundaries are. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't have those growing up. So now I'm learning about boundaries and I want to go on record and say, I love them. Everyone should have boundaries. I'm like obsessed with boundaries now. I didn't have them growing up, but Tori taught me how to have them. And now I love having boundaries. It's, it's helped me enormously. Yep, yep. Okay. What else? Any good ones left here? Do you ever judge the people who are talking? Do you ever judge your clients when they're telling you something? Do you, cause you're a human. Yeah. Do you ever judge them? Not to their face, but silently in the corner. I would say rarely. Okay. So if someone's overtly like, whoa, I might have that reaction. But usually the, the lens, at least therapy for me, is to like understand. So I'm, I'm usually like really present, really looking to listen and understand. It's like that judgment hat isn't really on for me, at least in sessions. I love these questions. How abnormal am I? Or am I just one of the few who chooses to seek help? I'm going to answer that. You're not abnormal. I, I'm doing a whole podcast with my shrink. So I'm probably abnormal. We're all abnormal, honey, right? And what is abnormal? There's no such thing as normal. 100%. I mean, it's something I agree with you that everyone should have the privilege of doing because it's so important. Most of our parents couldn't give us a lot of these skill sets. And even if they could, we wouldn't have listened. And we need, you know, know, we need someone else to help us develop or strengthen that relationship within. So... Yeah, I'm with you on that. There's no crazy. I think there's just facing ourselves and being brave enough to do that. You know, I have to say as a dater, and I am now in a very happy relationship. Yeah. But I went on a date once and someone told me they didn't really see a a point of people going to therapy. And I knew in that moment, (laughs) they were like, it works for some people, but I don't need it. Everyone, in my opinion. But again, it could be my upbringing, but like... I just thought I looked into the future with that person and I thought it's going to be a very. Yep. Yep. That was my top negotiable, like my non-negotiable with my husband is like being open to therapy, ongoing therapy. Like we're open to that. And that was at the very top. Oh, one more important question. Am I your favorite client? Just kidding. I know you can't answer that. Do you have any clients? You don't have to say who, obviously, or have you, have you in your entire career? Let's do that. That when their hour comes up, you're like, I just can't. I just can't. Or no. Like, you're like, I can't. This is, no. It's this person. I just can't. Not now. It could be 10 years ago for those of you listening. Um, I have had, well, yes. And in some ways, I'll explain. So I've had clients that, you know, sort of want to vent the full hour. And when I say vent, like, there's no room for any two-way relationship. Mm-hmm. That can be really hard to do session after session because there's, you don't feel like you're a part of the session. And that can be, you know, so that, ha- but, but here's the thing as a therapist, you're responsible for that too. So, you know, 
in the beginning, that would feel a little bit like, whew, did I, I didn't even say much. And you just feel kind of like, oh, was I a part of that? But you have to have, you know, better boundaries where you're like recognizing that that's probably what they do out of session and that you have to really work on that part with them. Um, I've had experiences like that, but anything that I've had with clients has always been a growing point for me. You know, if something triggers me in session, which happens and, and therapists should be working on that actively, then it's, you know, it's usually my own stuff. So you just have to, that's why you have to go to your own therapy and deal your, with your own stuff because you can't have it spill into your sessions. Tori, I am so happy you are here. Um, I'm so happy people got to hear from you. Tori, tell everyone how they can find you, stalk you, follow you, your seminars. What do you want to tell everyone before we go? Yes, come over, NY Therapists. Um, come find me there. That's my main spot right now. And I, I have a lot of webinars that I do that are on demand, that are upcoming, that I really uh, try to pull in all different like theories and different things to give you the best of the best in an hour. So that's also a good spot. If you want to work with me, that's as close as we can get right now to it. Tori, thank you so much for doing this. As always, you're amazing. And I can't wait till our session on Thursday. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Social Studies with Jenna Kingsley. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to stalk me, you can do that on Instagram at Jenna Kingsley. You can visit my website, jennakingsley.com. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Jenna Kingsley. If you have a topic you think we should cover, you can slide into the DMs or send me an email. Have a great week and I will speak to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.